Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Press Republicans Press Pass Podcast. I'm Joe LaTemplio, Editor-in-Chief, along with our trusty night editor, Ben Rowe. Welcome to the 78th episode of the Press Pass Podcast. Almost 80. Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, We had a few breaks, but we're hopefully back on track as we approach the wonderful holiday season. Well, last week was a busy week. It sure was. And to start off, the other day, we experienced, and I think I can safely say, the first significant snowfall of the year. Yes. Significant is fair to yes. use, right? Actually, I don't even remember that many insignificant ones before. <laughs> well, you wake up in the morning and you look outside and the, your lawn, your driveway, the street, and your car are covered with snow. That's significant. That is. No, it was a good, decent snowfall. Especially the first one, which was on, was it Tuesday? Um, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. It was the wet, heavy stuff. Yes. And it's like, ugh. And it stuck around. Yes. It's still out there. Um, this morning it was more light and powdery. Yes. But, uh, you know, uh, we live in the North Country. We're going to get snow, obviously. Um, and but, I like snow. I don't mind snow. However, mm-hmm. this year, with my recent double knee replacement surgery, I'm scared to death to walk on snow and ice. The last thing I need is to fall and injure my Re, my, my brand new titanium knees, which I probably <laughs> won't hurt them, but I'm sure it'll hurt like heck. And I don't want that. Well, yeah, and your balance isn't quite what it usually is. No, it's not. <laughs> um, my wife is like, I'm going to get you micro spikes for your shoes. Yes. And I'm like, okay, that's fine, but they're a pain in the butt to put on. Don't we still have company issued ones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as a matter of fact, I think we do. Um, they're a pain to put on, and you can't walk in the doors with them. You'll no. scratch your well, floors. Well, you can. You shouldn't. <laughs> so I'm not looking forward to that aspect of winter this year, Ben Rowe. I don't want to walk on snow and ice. Don't you have um, dirt or salt or stuff to throw down? Yes, and we were talking about that. I said, we better buy a lot of salt this winter. Yes. Um, and then, well, there's problems with that, too, isn't there? Well, that's why you buy the dirt. I don't want dirt. <laughs> well, yeah, then you track dirt everywhere. Yes. Well, <laughs> why do we live here? But my but. My, my girl's not in prison, Joe LaTemplia. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was going to say, could be worse. We could be living in Buffalo. We could, but now i gotta, now I got to explain that joke, Joe. I will in a minute, but you okay. jumped too early. We're still on snow. Yes, no, <laughs> yes, not ice, no. Buffalo. Yes. Um, six feet they're supposed to get. When? This By Saturday, by, well, through tomorrow. Mm. They, the snow, the forecast was so ominous that they moved the Buffalo Bills football game Sunday to Detroit instead of uh, hosting it in, in Orchard Park south of Buffalo because they're going to get too much snow. Is that a rare occurrence that they move a Buffalo Bills game? Yes. Even, I mean, uh, Buffalo obviously is used to snow. They're built for snow. They know how to deal with it. But this is like a crazy amount. Look at that. Exactly. Showing a photo of the Buffalo Bills Stadium filled with snow. (laughs) And that's awesome. (laughs) You can't remove all that snow 
not only from the stadium field and seats, but the parking lots where they tailgate. Yes. And the wind gusts are supposed to be extremely high. Yes. Which would make driving to the game yes. dangerous. So they moved it to Detroit where the game will be played Sunday and the Bills are scheduled to play Detroit in Detroit on Thanksgiving. So they'll just stay there for hey, the short week. That's a good setup. Yeah. So, but that's, you know, Buffalo has its problems. I mean, we have a little snow, but we have nothing like them. No. Now, what was the problem with your ice freezing? Yes. <laughs> it's the fact that last night when I got home after work, I went to open my front door and was like, oh, nope, this isn't, and I know I didn't lock it, so and then I push and I do a good, you know, football tackle. Shoulder and, into it? Yes. <laughs> and then finally pop it open. But I bought this can of antifreeze spray stuff and I sprayed that along my door and I'm sure that's also terrible for the environment <laughs> but I sprayed that along my door along my steps and you could hear it was kind of cool you could hear like the ice like crackling and stuff as it did its magic and that kind of thing so I'm like yeah take that ice so I'm told that a mixture of two-thirds vinegar one-third water will work on snow and ice yeah, but then my front door is going to smell like vinegar. <laughs> there are worse things, Ben. That's true. At least this just smells like chemicals. It'll keep the raccoons away. Yes. Oh, that too. Yes. <laughs> but no, like I said, that little can. And then this morning it was fine. So I'm thinking that because the water, it collects in the little grooves of like my right. door frame. And right. then it freezes overnight. And then it's... That's true. Uh, and it's more often I get locked inside than outside. <laughs> and my door opens in. So I can't shoulder it from the front. I have to, like, Yank it. Yank Oh, boy. Yes. And then I'm like, well, great. I'm going to have to call in sick because I can't get out of my house. No, no you're not doing that. <laughs> um, have you tried a blowtorch? I actually, <laughs> I, well, I, I thought. I'm just I, kidding. I don't want you to burn your house down. <laughs> no, no. There are some people that would take that suggestion <laughs> seriously. I thought is that I got to go and, like, get a hair dryer. But there's no outlets down there that'll reach and that kind of thing. Although that reminds me of the story that mom always tells me about my uncle, who was really trying to get to work, I think, and his um, windshield was all frozen over. And so he went to the kitchen and he boiled a pot of water on the stove and then brought out the boiling hot water and tossed it on his windshield. And you know what happened? Cracked? His yes. <laughs> and mom says, don't do that. No. No. Yes. So, yeah. So, all the fun of figuring out how to get around this time of year. Yes. It's, you know, it can be a pain, but it's something, like we said, we're used to. Um, yes. It's just part of life in the North Country. You know, winter brings snow and ice. Yes. I have a friend who lives down in Georgia, and she was telling me, I was showing her pictures of the snow that we got. She was like, oh, I'm so jealous. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> um, yeah, well, of course, um, every year in the city of Plattsburgh, snow and ice becomes an issue. Um, yes. With people, um, you know, wanting to know what's going to happen with uh, the snow plowing and the sidewalk snow removal. Why don't they clear the sidewalks, Joe? Well, first off, <laughs> the um, for the city has had a long-standing uh, procedure policy, if you will, of when there's heavy snowfalls, they put the yellow flashing emergency lights on throughout mm -hmm. the day, throughout the city, so people can say, okay, that means midnight tonight, my car's got to be off the city streets and um, in a private parking lot or whatever. Then 6 a.m. the next morning, I can go back and park on the street. 
<laughs> Six hours gives the city public works uh, crews usually time to clear the, the main roads and the parking lots. But it's not always enough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the snow is heavy, they need more than six hours. So the city was uh, had a public hearing on amending the policy, the law, to say at 6 o'clock, 6 a.m., you can't automatically park on the streets unless the lights are off. If the lights are still flashing, you got to stay off mm-hmm. until 7, 8, 9, 10 a.m., noon, whatever. Yeah, and I tried um, to summarize that in the paper today in the little headline is that, yeah, essentially... The snow situation, the snow emergency continues until the lights are turned off. Yes. Mm -hmm. And probably not a big deal, but I'm sure there'll be complaints. Mm -hmm. Well, is that as, and I've heard this from down in Willsboro, I knew a couple of people that worked for the highway department, that kind of thing. And yeah, and they are like rushing, you know, to zoom around and clear up as much. And the problem is for a lot of the time, they're facing an overwhelming battle because this they clear a road, the last three roads that they cleared to get filled with snow again, and then they have to go back and redo it again. Right. So, right. Um, it's yeah, and so they can't always guarantee that they're going to have everything all cleared and need the roads open again um, by six a.m. So. Well, my thought is okay. If you get your car off the road at, at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, who gets up at 6 a.m. to go put it back in the road? <laughs> well, yes. Well, that's also the thing. It's the fact that I used to live, I used to live in the city, now I live over in, um, in Beekmantown, um, is that we would all cram into the backyard parking um, driveway in my apartment building, and then the one person who parked way in the back has to go to work, and so they go around and knock at everybody's door Move and say, yes. <laughs> so now I will be like, yes. They can't move their car until the lights turn off. So, um, but so yeah, there will be some, you know, yeah, some huffing about that. But um, more complaints come from I think the sidewalk situation, which you can tell us a little history about. Yeah, um, it hasn't come up yet. I don't think maybe, uh, officially. Maybe yeah. briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, every year we get big snowstorms, and people are like, "Oh, the sidewalks are covered with snow. We can't. Pedestrians can't walk through them. Mm-hmm. Um, the city should clear it." And about seven or eight years ago, there was a council formed a committee um, to look at it. Mm-hmm. And and this has been discussed in the city. I've been here thirty seven years, and it's ever since I've been here. Decades. It comes. It comes up <laughs> all the time. Well, the city should do it. Well. Back, like I said, about six, seven years ago, uh, Mike Brody, who was then head of the Public Works, put together a, a proposal or a study, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he said it would cost about $750,000 a year mm-hmm. to clear the sidewalks. You need the equipment, you need the staffing power. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of money um, for a city that's constantly worried about its its mm-hmm. budget and uh, tax levy. Um, and... The kicker, I guess, is how many times a year do you really get that many snowstorms to cover the sidewalks? Three, four, five, maybe six? Now, here's a thought if coming from the frozen west, as you do. How often, what's the policy over in like Rochester and Buffalo? Where I grew up, yes, where I grew up, the, the um, I actually lived um, right on the edge of the city in the town of Verondequoy. The town did the sidewalks. Um, so you'd see people out there? Shoveling snow and whatnot. They have little, uh, I guess they call them bobcats. They're like these mini plows that are just as wide as the sidewalk, and they, 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 yeah, they do a great job. That's kind of cool. Town of Pottsburg <laughs> actually does it. Uh, oh. They have they have a couple of those, and I they do town, 
Town roads, but in the city, there's seven and a half miles of city-owned sidewalks. It's a lot of sidewalks. And 69 miles of other sidewalks. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of sidewalks to clear. Talk about the crews need more time. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's, it's a quite a chore. <laughs> it's quite an undertaking, and, and it's costly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess, I guess, I don't even know if putting that on a referendum would be a good idea. Oh boy, I would I would want I'd be interested in the results of that. But um, but who would you know? There's always a danger of the people who want it will show up, and the people who are indifferent. (laughs) Well, that's with any vote. Exactly, um, exactly. But you're right. Is that for the? There is always the point of the fact that what for the at most four or five major storms we get in winter. You know, big, big, big storms. Is that? Is it worth the investment? Well. Yes, and the policy now is property owners, go out and shovel your own sidewalks. Mm-hmm. If you don't, we'll fine you and put that on your property tax bill. Mm-hmm. For the most part, people are pretty good. They'll go out and shovel. <laughs> but there's always, you know, some that... Those people that are laying in bed and they're like, ah, put it on my tax bill. <laughs> can't or won't. And the other problem is um, absentee landlords. Uh, people yes. that don't live here but own property. You know, they're like, oh, shoot, i got to call that guy to do the sidewalks. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like you say, uh, do it later. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> and, it, and then there's the elderly. Yes. A 90-year-old woman who lives alone can't go out and shovel her sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Um, the council tried uh, an approach a few years ago. Mike Kelly, um, this was his idea. They looked for volunteers to go and help the elderly shovel. And unfortunately, it didn't work. Nobody, nobody volunteers. Where's the Where's the Leave It to Beaver kids, Joe? That go out and shovel, earn a few bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would think, you would think. But and like I said, yeah, it's not like this happens uh, forty days in winter. No, and it's you know, and is that I have sympathy for the fact that whenever there's a storm and you drive through the next day, there's some sidewalks that are so. Buried that people actually walk in the road <laughs> to yeah. not have to walk in. Yeah, the, they do, and that's not good either. So, um, no, and, and people with disabilities, uh, yes. if you have a wheelchair or a walker, yeah, and there are certainly uh, some sidewalks that, yeah, that you will not be able to get a wheelchair through. Um, so it's a uh, part of living up here is um, having to deal with the snow that it brings. On the other hand, you wake up, you look out the window, majestic. You know, sights, yes. trees covered it's in snow. Very you can't pretty. beat it. So, were you the one saying they should put heated pipes? I was the one. Who, <laughs> yes, who heard somebody say one time there are cities where they like put like um, what I call conduction heaters, convention heaters, under all the sidewalks, and then they, <laughs> melt it. That oh. melts all the snow. I'm like, that'd be so cool. It'd also be expensive at the butt, but it would be really cool to see. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's gonna happen. But speaking of referendums, people, yes, last week went to the polls. American Democracy in Action, November 8th, Election Day. Yes, uh, people yes. went to the polls, and they went to the polls 10 days before that. And in pretty reliably, too. Early, so. early voting was had decent yes. turnouts. Um, locally, I, we didn't really have any too many surprises with the results. Mm-hmm. Um, Elise Stefanik um, won re-election to Congress in this district. Um, I think the her race in Clinton County was close, though. Uh, I'm not sure what the final numbers are on that, but it was neck and neck with challenger Matt Costelli. Um, Clinton County Sheriff Dave Favreau won re-election again. He was unopposed on the ballot. 
However, there were two writing candidates, um, Chelsea Warwick and Scott Decker. I talked to Board of Elections today, being Friday. Mm-hmm. They they had almost 4,000 write-in votes for that race, and they're still counting them. They're still deciphering them. So they don't have a number for how many each writing candidate got yet, although I was told that Chelsea got way more than Scott Decker. So it'll be interesting to see Monday what the final numbers were in the write-ins uh, for that. Well, it and, seems clear there was a lot of interest in, um, in that race, so that's good. <clears throat> yeah, well, it's a countywide position. Mm-hmm. Um, sheriff always draws interest, uh, and uh, that that they got a little got a little higher profile when Chelsea, you know, came out with some some uh, strong campaign materials, and the sheriff responded, and it was a little bit of uh, bashing back and forth. Back and yes. forth. Um, <laughs> which hey, that's campaigns. Yes. Um, and uh, otherwise, oh, Ward Four in the city was very interesting. Yes. Jennifer Town, the incumbent Democrat. Beat Hillary Trombley uh, much more decisively than she su- had. surprising, very surprising. Considering in the June primary, Jennifer beat Hillary in the Democratic primary by just two votes. Mm-hmm. So I thought a lot of people thought this was going to be just as close, mm-hmm. um, but but Jennifer won um, with a, a wider margin than mm-hmm. uh, I was surprised. Well, from what we heard from them, you know, I think um, from both of them, the primary kind of lit a fire under them to get out there. <laughs> oh, I got to take this seriously. <laughs> yeah, know? and, and so. it's, it was tough for Hillary because she was on the Hillary for Ward 4, Ward four mm-hmm. ballot, which is an independent ballot. Mm-hmm. If she, That's hard to win on those um, third-party lines. Yes. If you if she had had Republican, well, obviously she ran in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to get the Republican. But if she had run a more prominent party, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, it's 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 hard. Well, as we were saying, it's just the design of the ballots. You know, you have to uh, <laughs> fight the human instinct to just look across the top of the line, and yeah, yeah. You have to look down a little yeah, bit. She's so. down. She was down three or four um, spots on the ballot, which mm-hmm. is you know it's tough. It is tough. Yes. Um, and in Ward One, Julie Bond was unopposed. She won. Zachary Ryman. Ran mm-hmm. a late last minute write in. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> he got a few votes, but nothing. Mm-hmm. She got more than 800, I think. So, but I, oh, the other surprise, I guess, came in the um, Supreme Court just, Justice. Yes. Race. Mm-hmm. Tell us what happened. Well, is that it was Allison McGahee? Top was our, yes, our local candidate for a Supreme Court judge from Lake Placid. From um, Lake Placid, yes. Yes, that she um, got the most amount of votes out of the wide Six. Um, ballot of, um, what was it, seven candidates? Six, Six candidates. Yes, is, um, that the, well, originally on in the initial results, all three Republican candidates um, led the fray. But then through absentee um, counts, um, Robert Mueller, the um, incumbent, actually managed to um, slip into those, the top three. So, um, which is, you know, it's always interesting is that for any election where you think on election night, oh, well, you know, looks like this is the results. And then if they can, through absentee ballots, squeak in, then you get a late victory. So. Well, and, and I think from now on, we're going to see the way election results are tabulated will be a lot different. It's going to take a few days. Versus election night. Yes. We know everything. No, maybe two days later we know everything. Because <laughs> we have early voting, more absentees, more affidavits. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
presumably more people are participating, which is good. Well, um, that's one thing is, you know, watching the results um, around like um, 9, 10 o'clock, you know, 9, 9.30. It looks like it's going to be one way, you know, especially with Stefano Castelli, you know, like with about 30% of the votes counted, Castelli looked like, oh, he's got a good lead. And then as time goes on, it's like, oh, nope, everything flips. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've seen that nationally mm-hmm. um, with uh, some of the House and Senate races. Mm. Um, they're still counting them. Yes. So, yeah. Um, and it is fun to look at the CNN line and see, oh, this is how it is. But it's more nuanced than <laughs> I think that goes sometimes. So Yeah, um, yeah. But... Sure. Um, but yeah, overall, I was glad to see um, interest in the races. Um, even on non-presidential year, this seemed like a pretty um, good turnout. So Yeah, well, the midterms usually spark uh, mm-hmm. more interest. Well, it seems like this one, you know, again, all the national parties were like, got to get out, this is a big one. <laughs> so it was good. Our democracy in action. Got to yes. love it. Um, The other news this week um, that caught our eyes in the eyes of many of uh, our readers and listeners was uh, Clinton County reported 11 COVID deaths. Now, one would think, okay, those are the latest, and it happened recently. That sounds bad. Yes. That that is probably the largest total. One of the largest totals I can think of. Yes. (laughs) In this whole thing. Um, Come to find out, though... That some of these deaths from occurred as far back as August. Mm-hmm. And what happened is the health department is waiting to get information from various health care providers, namely the hospital, um, other doctors, whatever. Um, so they need to get their information from those sources before they can calculate and tabulate and release um, what's going on out there. They're going to change their policy to um, release the number of deaths monthly, which will give them more time to to tabulate them um, and be more accurate in when they occurred. My question is, and what I'd like to see, and I know our readers would too, is of these 11 deaths, and even if it is back, some of them are back to August, how many were vaccinated? How many were boosted? That is critical information. Uh, people need to know that these vaccines work. Mm-hmm. And if you are vaccinated, you are far, far, far more likely not to be seriously ill, not to be hospitalized, and not to die. Mm-hmm. That's important. Because um, we don't want to see the death numbers up that high anymore. Nobody does. Nope. Um, and we are getting to that point of the year. Mid-November, and we saw the snow, winter's here, mm-hmm. the numbers spike. Mm-hmm. They have the last two years. And with flu and RSV around and, and the goal. lurking and, and creating problems, the dreaded tridemic, as the doctors call <laughs> it, um, is out there. Mm-hmm. And COVID's part of it. And uh, we still, we've said this, I don't know how many times, we still need to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. And to do what we're supposed to do to stop the spread. And what are we supposed to do, Ben Rowe? You're supposed to wash your hands. <laughs> and wear masks. And yes, as well as the fact that, you know, and I say the washing hands thing because I feel like that's often what people lead with. And 
you know, that's just a common sense thing. But yeah, specifically for our airborne, you know, bugs, yes, wearing masks. And um, when advised by the authorities, you know, of high levels of spread, you know, being cautious about where you go, what private events you attend, and that type of thing. But, um, but yeah, again, lots of common sense things. and But just... Um, being more aware of them, I would say. And, and the health department was also stressing, reiterating, uh, wiping down surveys. Yes. Um, I haven't heard any of don't touch your face, which we heard well, in the first that's few a, days. That's <laughs> a general thing is, you know, when you can help it. <laughs> but yeah, just, um, you know, is that I think, as we've said multiple times before, is that for years, for a whole lifetime, we've been aware of the wintertime sicknesses and we know how to fight them and just nowadays in this modern age we just need to be more consistent with you know staying clean and hygienic and safe this time of year so. stay away from people yes <laughs> yes in this holiday season joe latemplio <laughs> says stay away from people <laughs> oh that's what we've come to unfortunately yes it's tough but yeah i'm just being smart about it and um if you're not feeling well, you know, let people know and um, maybe don't go to the cookie baking night when you're coughing and sneezing and <laughs> all that stuff. Yes, like you said, common sense. Yes, yes. And self-discipline. Oh, those can be hard things to follow in this <laughs> world, Joe. <laughs> oh, don't we know it. <laughs> but... Um, no, with snow, you know, um, it brings to mind the fact that, yeah, the holidays are here. Um, next week is Thanksgiving. Everybody yes. get together, have a good time, but just, you know, again, be safe. And nobody likes to be sick. So. No. And um, I'm looking forward. My daughters are coming home uh, to visit next week for the holiday, so that'll be fun. And we hope everybody in the North Country has a wonderful Thanksgiving season and, and kicks off their holiday season um, in good spirits because, um, you know, it's tough out there. A lot of things uh, to worry about and a lot of things to deal with. But I think overall we all still have a lot to be thankful for. Yes. Dahu Dori. Exactly. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, Ben, thanks. And where do people find us on this for this podcast? Um, well, people can come to the Press Pumpkin offices. We will give you a flash drive with the fun. <laughs> <laughs> but easier than that, you can find us on Apple iTunes. You can find us on um, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on PressPublican.com. All your favorite podcast places. Excellent. Thanks again. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. It's been uh, another uh wonderful time in the North Country and we look forward to talking to everybody again and we hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving and a great holiday season. Until then, we wish everybody a little weak side help.